Ding, ding. Let's all. Ding, let's. Jonathan. Ding, ding. Let's just. Jonathan. 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 Dave's not here. Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the world of assistive technology. With our hosts, Steve Barkley, Rob Minot, and Ryan Fleury. Now, let's banter. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. I am Rob Minot, and today I am joined by Ryan Fleury. Hello. And Steve Barkley. Banter, banter. And hey, guess what, guys? What? What? It is our big 50th episode. Sweet boom, 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 boom. It is. We are the big 5-0. Happy birthday. Well, not yet. No, yeah, that's that's in a few weeks. But yeah, it's November for me. <laughs> but still, 50. Can you imagine? We've we've made it through 50 episodes. Can't imagine. It's amazing. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, seems like just yesterday we were all crammed into my office. And how much money have we made doing this? Uh... Better question, how much money has we lost <laughs> doing this? <laughs> it's all about the love. That's right. We've got love. <clears throat> we do. That's right. But no email this week. No email this week? Really? No. Have we actually no, topped a thousand listeners or are we just sitting below it? Uh, sitting below it. We haven't to- quite quite topped a thousand yet All right. per so, week. So tell all your friends we need to crack a thousand here. That's right. We've got some good shows coming up, so we might. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... I'm excited for we're we're having a very good month. This is, this is going to be great because uh, we've got our big anniversary show coming up in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got some great guests lined up. They do, so it's going to be a good month. Should be very exciting. It is, and we're going to talk more tech. <laughs> and we're going to are really we're going to talk some more tech. Yeah, yeah. you look at the notes today. I threw some tech in there. Ooh, oh, you fancy? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we'll get our guest to talk tech. Well, yeah. he knows all about it. Hopefully, Maybe better. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about that. Who is our guest today, Ryan? Our guest today is Jonathan Moson, all the way from New Zealand. Yeah, Woo-hoo. it's like uh, seven o'clock in the morning there. I think when when we're going to be talking to him. So, kudos to him for getting up early and talking to us. Yeah, I hope he's a morning person. Uh, <laughs> man, you talk to me at seven o'clock in the morning, and you're not going to get a good interview. Yeah, <laughs> it was hard enough when we talked to Neil, and it was nine o'clock in the morning. We were we were hurting. Yeah. So, but I mean, I think they have to get up early and stuff because there's a lot of sheep and stuff there that they have to tend to. I think. Yeah, the, the buying probably wakes them up anyway. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. You do that or the hobbits. There's oh, a lot yeah, of the hobbits. hobbits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So those hobbits get up early and making all kinds of noise. So it's probably hard to sleep in over there. Now, New Zealand is nice. I would love to to actually visit New Zealand. Yeah, every every picture I've ever seen in New Zealand makes me want to go there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really. Um, I'd go there before Iceland. I don't know why Rick went to Iceland. Why would you go somewhere named Iceland? I grew up in Iceland. It was called Mackenzie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of people are going there these days because you can uh, you can stop there on your way to Europe and kind of break up the trip a little bit, and not have as long a a flight. Stop, have have a look around, see if you can uh, find yourself some uh, some gnomes, and then uh, then carry on. <laughs> reindeer. Yeah, Vikings. Vikings, reindeer. And um, I don't even know what else. I think volcanoes. Don't they have a lot of volcanoes? Yeah, they got all kinds of thermal thermal stuff activity. But uh, I don't know about volcanoes per se. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I'm thinking thermal stuff. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of hot springs and. Yeah, but they may have a volcano. Oh, hang on! Didn't they have a volcano that erupted and then screwed up air traffic? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was that's like right. a couple yeah, of years, years ago, yeah, right? Yeah. Thanks a lot, Iceland. Yeah. <laughs> Volcanoes to yourself. Well, there goes all our Iceland. That's our right. Guests. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, Screw these guys. Um, yeah, we should really do a travel show where we just talk about stuff, places we know nothing about. It's been like the most ill-informed travel <laughs> show ever. <laughs> we, could, we could just make assumptions about countries and then Google it to see what our 
preconceived I, notions. You know what I say? We don't even. Wrong. I don't even say we bother googling it. We just you just all you got to do is speak as if you're an authority, and people will just buy it. And well, if, hey, true. if they get to Luxembourg and it turns out it's not the biggest city, yeah, sue us. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you get for taking advice from people on the internet. That's <laughs> I don't right. know what to tell you. Right. We'll just, the hard truth. lesson learned. We'll just repeat it. No, it is. It really is. That's the way it works now. It's an you alternate just repeat fact. the lie. Repeat <laughs> the lie. That's right. Yeah, so we're excited to be talking to Jonathan today. Uh, he has been in the assistive technology field for over 30 years. He's helped to test assistive technology. He's helped to design it. He has worked uh, with mainstream hardware and software developers as a consultant, and he is a pretty big blindness advocate. Uh, he's also an author, a broadcaster, a podcaster, a blogger, an accessibility specialist, and again, an advocate. He's another guest that makes us sound like lazy slobs. Well, we technically are lazy slobs. Good just, point. Just to point that out. Yeah, we got Ryan. You got to stop booking guests that are like that are like this. That are so busy, it makes the me guests, feel bad about myself. The guests want to come on; they're more than welcome. The problem is the kind of guests that we need to make us look good. No, that's what are, you want. Are not even going to email us. <laughs> it's, it's too much work. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, let's just go ahead and bring Jonathan on. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Jonathan. Good morning. Hey, how's it going? It's going all right here. You just hey, getting up? Well, have you had your coffee yet? Oh, absolutely! A big <laughs> mug of bulletproof coffee, nice and early. Excellent. <laughs> well, just yeah. to let you know, I've got two co-hosts with me today. I've got Rob okay. Minot. Hello. Hi, how's it going? Good, good. And I've got Steve Barclay. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, How goes it? Good to meet you guys. So we just want to say thanks so much for joining us. I know it's early there. Oh, it's it's 9 a.m. It's actually quite civilized. I oh, okay. get up at about 3 or 4 and start working, so I'm well into my work day now. Oh, okay. Yeah, we did the math wrong. We thought yep. it was 7. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, so I'm here looking at your your the notes on on your bio and I have to say you are you have a lot of fingers and a lot of pies. I tell you, it, it keeps me off the streets or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's talk uh, your your involvement with uh, assistive technology and, and just how it all got started. Um, did you always have sort of a, a love for technology uh, growing up? Well, the thing is technology kind of grew up around me because I was going to high school in the 1980s, and that's when we really started to see some developments that filtered down to the average person that went beyond the computer programmer types and so when I was starting high school, we had the Apple IIe computers and we had the Versa Braille, which was this crazy cassette-based <laughs> machine run by a company called TSI, Telesensory, Telesensory, who no longer exist. But the idea was you would put a cassette into this thing and you would store pages of Braille. And when you wanted to access a particular document on this Versa Braille, it would fast forward to the correct point on the cassette to retrieve that document and it would shudder and shake and clunk and it was like it was going to rip itself apart, man. Uh, but it was it was just so cool because we could store all this stuff and I was one of the first people to use a Versa Braille to actually take an exam because I loved the fact that I could Braille something down and read back what I'd written and make edits. You know, this, this is all stuff we take for granted now, but being able to make edits, change things around, cut and paste it was just fantastic so i was very fortunate that i just was growing up at the right time where this technology was emerging and for whatever reason i took a liking to it i just had a natural aptitude for it which was great for me because i hated pe you know physical education <laughs> and what happened at high school was we had a whole bunch of blind kids going to this high school and we had a resource room there, and they had a couple of uh, sighted teachers who would help out all the kids going to the high school. But they would pull me out of the PE periods, which I hated, and get them get me to teach them how to use all this technology and whip it into shape and maybe teach other kids how to use the technology. So it just sort of happened that way that I was, was growing up around this stuff. Well, Jonathan, I've, I've got a confession for you. When I started with Aroga, I was fixing those things. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. And then I went on to yeah. the, uh, the the Versa Braille with the uh, disk drive. 
That was, oh yeah, the VersaBrowl too, and with yeah. that different keyboard that they had. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I fixed the uh, the Opticons from Telesensory, uh, the original Navigator Braille displays, all of their CCTVs, the the Vantage, the Voyager. Yep. Yeah, I mean they were big, weren't they? See, TSI was kind of like the VFO of the. 1980s 1970s and 80s really i mean they were everywhere and they were the dominant player and they were doing all these blindness products and and, and stuff like that so they they were big yep it's yes, a, indeed and it's a pretty amazing time we we you know I, I think we're all around the same age um and it is pretty amazing the tech the leap in technology um from say the 80s for example to today i mean it's it's just it's incredible yeah i know that people talk about success being uh, lots of perspiration and inspiration and stuff and i certainly agree with that but i also think that part of what happens in your life is all about the timing and i was just so lucky um, because i count myself as very fortunate that i can still remember what it was like when I would rely on a sighted sibling to read a newspaper article to me or when I couldn't do banking independently, when you'd go into a bank and there'd be a bank teller behind the counter and you'd have to get the bank teller to read your balance to you. And because, of course, you were blind, people, everybody knows it because you're blind. You have to talk louder. And so there'd be this teller behind the counter saying, you know, you're $500 overdrawn, Mr. Mosin. I just want to fall through the floor. So... It was a it's a it was a really cool time just to see this technology evolving and and think about how it has transformed our lives so much you know it, it's just been it's been a great ride so in terms of say if if we look back at say the last i don't know 30 40 years what do you see as the real big leap forward where did where did we really what what technology developed that really drove everything in, in you know, forward i think if i had to pick one thing and that's a really tough thing to do mm. but if i had to pick one thing i think it would be when jaws for windows came out mm. because i can still remember all of the angst and the agony we thought that we were making such good progress with dos by the time windows came along we really had dos singing and humming and doing some really cool stuff and all we could think of was Windows is pretty pictures and graphics and it's going to lock us out. And people who right. were starting to think about careers in computers and doing things on the job with computers, we were really scared about Windows just taking away all of these gains that we had made. And so then, you know, people like Glenn Gordon in particular, who's made a huge contribution to this industry a, yeah, a blind guy himself he you know there were other products and i think it's important to give a nod to slimware window bridge which was a, a really credible screen reader it did things in a slightly unorthodox way but when i used jaws and the fact that they had taken a lot of their dos paradigm into the windows environments successfully when i used that first copy of jaws one point I think it was 1.0, it may have been 1.1, I thought we are actually going to be okay. And that's significant in itself. But what it also taught me was when we think that we are down and out, somebody is going to come along and crack the problem. And, you know, so it turned out to be with, with touchscreens on cell phones. You know, I remember... I remember touching my first iPhone in, in 2007, and it was just this blank piece of glass. And I thought, "Oh my God, mm -hmm. yeah, this is uh, this is this is dismal." But something told me someone would crack it. It turned out, of course, to be Apple itself that did. But so Jaws for Windows made me realize we got some pretty smart minds around the place, and that there's nothing that we can't overcome with a little bit of ingenuity and innovation, and maybe some patience. Now, do you find that these days that um, you you know this this thing about somebody cracking the problem do you find that these days that happens a lot faster than it used to yes because in those early days accessibility belonged to 
hackers. And when I say hackers, I mean that that word in the traditional sense of the term. Nowadays, people think about hacking as breaking into stuff they're not entitled to access. But traditionally, hacking is all about doing really sort of cool behind the scenes, under the hood stuff with technology. And that's what we had to do back then you know i'm sounding like a really old i'm right with you jonathan i mean we, we really had to nostalgia. do that then because there was no official support in those early days when uh, uh joyce as it was then was trying to get into windows 3.1 there was just no thought given to accessibility by right. microsoft whatsoever and they had to hook in to the display driver in kludgy kind of ways just to get at the operating system and microsoft was aware of these assistive technology companies and they kind of thought you know well that's nice how cool is this but but there wasn't really any kind of commitment on microsoft's part to make anything happen so nowadays you know and i I can still remember even as far back as um was far recently rather as windows xp there was a definite gap between when Windows XP came out and when we started having reasonable enough access to it that we could put it on our computers. There was a gap. Now, when there are significant new versions of Windows and they're coming up pretty thick and fast now, Microsoft has been talking to VFO and making uh, all sorts of provisions and, and partnering. And you have things like UI automation now, which is built into the operating system itself. Uh, you got a thing called Microsoft Active Accessibility that went back to about 1995-ish. So there has been progress. So things can happen more quickly now because the world is much more aware of accessibility than it used to be. Yeah, this is this is all uh, taking me back because... I'm with you, Jonathan. I, I, you know, I did that transition from from DOS to uh, to Windows, and I, I'm I'm cited. I, I was just the guy who was, uh, you know, installing the software and supporting people. But uh, you know, our uh, our demo version of Jaws was serial number one zero zero four. That's right. It was, it was the fourth <laughs> oh, wow. fourth production uh, fourth production unit to uh, to make it out, and uh, um, yeah. Started with Windows 3.1, lived through all of the horror of Windows 95 and 98. <laughs> Millennium. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Millennium, Millennium wow. was the pit. Yeah. But, and and you, you will remember then all the fun that we used to have trying to get JAWS to talk to serial-based synthesizers for oh, the sure. most part. Yeah. And we all used to have to become familiar with this concept called the IRQs. You remember the interrupts uh-huh. that you had to yep. take into account when you were trying to set up a serial port for these synthesizers? And, oh, my goodness, it was geeky. I mean, yeah. I can't it, tell you it, how it, many times I heard, okay accent ready. <laughs> we, we had to know a lot more about the sort of under-the-hood, behind-the-scenes stuff mm-hmm. of our computers just to make them behave and i'm quite glad of that in a way because it still gives you some basic grounding that's still useful now yeah it's a whole lot simpler now to uh, to do the at you know i i think back of all the times i all, all the time i spent fighting with video drivers uh, <laughs> yeah and, and yeah. telling people no you can't use it with that video card you know you got to get this video card and Yes, yeah. and you'll remember this thing that came along for a while called the device chaining manager. Yeah. And that was pretty revolutionary because it did mean that you could have multiple pieces of assistive technology uh, on the system. And, uh, you know, that time I was, I think, doing ACB radio. So it was important for me to be reviewing uh, different screen readers and things. And there were a lot more of them then. But the trick was you had to remember the order that you installed everything because if you uninstalled something in a different order from that which was it, it was installed you completely wrecked your system and nothing yeah, yeah. talked anymore and you yeah. just had a dog's breakfast on your hands <laughs> yep wow yeah we've come a long way yeah it's a heck of a lot easier now it is no question yeah good thing mm-hmm. yeah um, now, I see in your bio that it mentions that you have worked with, uh, with developers and um, as a consultant. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what kind of stuff were you, have you worked on? Well, I joined the team at Humanware, which was then Pulse Data International in 2003, because I was, I mean, I'd grown up with those guys. Pulse Data was a New Zealand-based company, and so they would often send stuff for me to play with and... Um, I've got to tell you a really crazy story. When I was a, a, a kid in, in high school, and I, I used the first keynote 
device. <laughs> and uh, the keynote, the first keynote device, which is the way, way precursor to the Braille Note, but it was computer. this big, modified, Ipsum laptop-type computer that actually had a built-in dot matrix printer, which was handy because you could go in and write a little document and then print out a note and pin it onto the fridge or something like that. It was really quite cool. But... Um, I used to test for those guys even back then when I was in high school when I was the guinea pig because they thought I had the aptitude and I was allowed to take exams and I remember the scandal when my classical studies notes for the year suddenly evaporated on a corrupt floppy disk and oh, <laughs> great times. But um, I, even then I was testing and there was a button you could press to change the keyboard echo and you push this little button like a function key on the top and it would say keyboard voice currently whatever it was set to and i think you had spell words and off i think were the first initial choices and um the default was spell well i discovered that when you turn the keyboard voice on, uh, button on if it was set to spell and you pushed the shortcut key to turn it off it echoed the character uh, before it switched off now the thing is the shortcut key was the letter f so I called the developer as a precocious little high school kid and said, listen to this. And I pushed the button and it said, keyboard voice, currently spell. And then I pushed the key to turn it off and it said, F off. <laughs> and um, the, the developer was so mortified by this that next thing, next day, I got a disc in the mail with a new version of the software and it fixed it. So I was most disappointed. Oh, that's funny. But um, yeah, so I they called me. I was I was doing the ACB radio gig, and they said, you know, we know that the Brown Note's been hugely successful, but we also know that there are things on the horizon, uh, and we'd like you to come and manage to take over the blindness product range. And it was something I hadn't thought about doing before. I um, loved using technology, and I'd used it in various capacities, and I'd reviewed it a lot for Main Menu, which I started on ACB radio. But I never thought about getting involved in the industry. But then I thought, wow, you know, this is a chance to really have some influence and to change lives for the better. And I think I can do this. And so I um, joined the team there and developed um, the Brownode Empower, which was my project. It was a really significant project, about a seven-figure sum. I'm very proud of the Brownode Empower because it really did take the Brownode product line forward. Really but did. most significantly – we kept it under such tight wraps. No one knew the Brown Note and Power was coming until the day we issued a media release about it in which we said, and it's shipping now. And it's so rare in this industry uh, to have a product that you announce and it's available on the same day, especially mm -hmm. a really big product like a note taker. Yep, yep. And uh, we announced it about two days before the 2005 ACB and NFB conventions. And it just completely blew the industry away because nobody knew it was coming. So that was a lot of fun. And, and while I was at um, Pulse Data, I also worked on things like the Brown Note PK, uh, which we were OEMing a Baum product, essentially the, the Baum Pronto, but we mm. put Keysoft on it and we made this cool little pocket sized Device, um, the Brilliant, that is mine too. Um, that's a, that in those days at least it was a Baum OEM product, but I named it Brilliant, and I'm quite proud of that. Um, and we worked in those days with Code Factory to make uh, mobile accessibility, mobile speak, more available on Windows Mobile and Symbian platforms. So we we worked with them, and then in 2006, I jumped ship, and that was rather controversial at the time and I um, moved over to uh, to uh, Freedom Scientific and I became the Vice President of Blindness Hardware wow. and so looked after Braille displays. We did a couple of generations of Focus, um, the PacMate Omni uh, and uh, various software packages that run on the PacMate Omni and a whole bunch of other stuff like that. Uh, more recently, I do a lot of consultancy on mobile apps and work with developers often who don't necessarily want people to know that I'm working on them and that's fine um, I sort of work behind the scenes a lot now with some pretty significant players who just need a real blind person who understands product development to give them feedback on what's going on and, and what they might need to do to fix it so it's it's been a blast and you know I one of the most amazing things was when I went to uh, South Africa on business and I met a guy who had been involved in the agreement that was reached between 
the African National Congress and the outgoing uh, apartheid-based regime. And he had helped negotiate the new constitution to write that. He was a lawyer, and he said that um, the brown note he was using uh, was indispensable. It had made a huge difference in his life. And I, when I meet people like that who have used something that I've had a hand in designing or developing, it really – it makes you feel really good because it makes you feel like you've made a difference. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I was just thinking back the that Epson, uh, that early Epson with the printer. I, I never used it with uh, with Keysoft on it, but um, we uh, we used it for a communication aid for the nonverbal for for a while. I replaced a lot of batteries in those things, and then there was a was. there was another Braille note that came out after that that was on a little like a sub note sized computer with a battery on the side of it i'm trying to remember who made that yeah i i, I it's, it's not ringing any bells but yeah there are a lot of there are a lot of these products around and um they struck gold with the brown and it just came out at the right time um the blazy products had kind of got you know the, the blazy products were fantastic because everything was in ram and you could quickly load files and do things but people wanted email and they wanted to be able to browse the web and, and all those things and um, the Blazy products just didn't do it and so the brown note came along at the right time it was running windows ce which was sort of state of the art then uh, it was a very user-friendly thing because the brown note was and probably still is um, very big in education markets so again it was just fantastic timing and um, those things just flew off the shelves. I, I, I'm, this is something we've talked about before in, in previous podcasts, but uh, I, I, I've been incorrectly predicting for years the demise of the uh, of the Braille note taker, the dedicated Braille note taker. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that because I, I've always thought that it would move aside for things like um, you know a, a Braille displays tethered to uh, to mainstream devices, and then. You know, humanware comes out with uh, the uh, Braille Note Touch, and it's very successful, and and just completely throws my thinking out the door. Um, just wondering what you what you see as being the future of the of the dedicated note taker market. I think that there is one company that we have to thank for the longevity of the dedicated note taker market, and that is Apple. Uh, and uh, we in the blind community, while I'm very grateful for everything that Apple has done, and they changed the game big time, no doubt, just completely upturned the game on its head. But we, we do give Apple a, a, a bigger free pass than I think we give any other company in our community. And I don't quite know why that is. Perhaps there's just so much goodwill for what they did in 2009 that um, it, it will go on indefinitely. But look, if the braille support in apple products was decent then teachers would take an ipad that they know and love and understand and there's no special proprietary commands to memorize or remember a new product to learn that's blindness specific and they would be giving kids everywhere ipads and that would be the end but apple's braille support especially when it comes to braille input is not there it's it's awful um there are all sorts of weird anomalies when you try to make a correction when contracted braille is enabled and you can't give that to kids um, kids are supposed to be concentrating on reading and writing not going through hoops to try and make the braille behave itself because you write a single letter in the middle of a word and all of a sudden that single letter has been expanded to its contracted equivalent right in the middle of the word. It's it's horrible. Now, that said, Android is far, far worse. Android Braille is is just so, so bad. <laughs> so I think that's why they continue, because these mainstream companies do not get Braille. None of them get Braille. And until one of them does that, then these things will continue. But I do think that the L Braille is going to be a huge game changer because you've got an integrated device that's running full windows. And you see, because there are so many blind people working on JAWS who are Braille users, the Braille support is really robust. And what I mean by that is if you go into, say, a Microsoft Word document and you Braille away on your 
braille device that has a braille input keyboard and you make a correction and you have to route the cursor to the middle of the word and you make a correction it does what it should it's extremely smart about working with contracted braille it's like you've opened a microsoft word document and you're working with a native grade 2 braille file so when you can have that on a screenless integrated braille device that has 20 hours of battery life and run full windows so you can run your proper microsoft office and even do audio production and all those things on a note taker type device why would you bother with a compromise like android or uh, you know, windows c is sort of out of the game anyway uh, but but why why would you not just go with full windows and so that i think is the game changer um what can you tell us about the l braille it rocks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one here. Um, well, I know I've listened to a couple past episodes of the Blindside podcast, and you do, I think you use Studio Recorder to record your TV uh, review. Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit about the L Braille, what it is, how it works. Um, the L Braille is an integration of two technologies, broadly speaking. So you've got a small dock that's running. Uh, full Windows 10 and into that dock you slot a Focus 14 and JAWS is running on the device. The cool thing about the way this is being priced is that you only buy what you don't currently have. So obviously everybody doesn't have the L Braille dock but if you have a Focus 14 already and you have a JAWS license already then you just discount those from the purchase price which I think is a really sensible idea. Absolutely. Um, it's got built-in LTE, and you just pop in a SIM card. So when I've been doing the beta testing for this, I find myself in the back of an Uber or a cab, and I've got some time to kill. I can just fire up the L Braille. It's online uh, through LTE, and I'm quickly working with um, Microsoft Outlook and sending things. You know, you can put all your browsers, Chrome, Firefox, Internet Explorer, have them all on there. I have Dropbox on it, so and of course Windows 10 comes with OneDrive. So anything I do on my other devices, because I save to the cloud anyway with one of those services, it's all just appearing magically on the L Braille for when I'm mobile with it. And of course you can plug in a, a USB keyboard if you're in the office and you want to work with a full keyboard, which is what I was doing when I was producing the podcast with it. Or you can use a Bluetooth keyboard. So it's it's good the the one the one criticism uh, people may level at it and i think you know fair enough it does have two gigs of ram and um that means that while i can run studio recorder and i i find that adequate which is the aph product i don't know if i'd want to run something really huge like soundforge on it i think it would bog down with a with a really big app like soundforge that's a constraint of what's available now with this particular uh, portable technology. My understanding is that, that that will, like everything, improve in the future. But if you just want to do a few, do your, your documents and surf the web and do your email and stuff on a device that gives you 20 hours of battery life and runs Windows, that's the key thing, then this is a pretty significant development, I think. For me, it's the product I've been waiting for. What, what, does, it, what does it have under the hood? What's the processor? Gosh, um, off the top of my head, I don't recall. Um, there is an L Braille English website, and I think it's something like lbraille.com, but you can Google for L Braille, and all those specs are there. It's, I mean, it's not a not a mega fast processor, but again, I think the issue here is that um, you you do you do have a series of compromises because what a lot of people miss about um, working with a laptop is that that battery life thing, the fact that you can, like in the old Braille Note or Blazy days, you could take something with you and, and know that it's going to go all day and maybe into a second day yeah. if you can't get access to a wall outlet. And that's a significant thing for students, for example. So th there are those compromises. The more you, the more you crank it up, um, the more energy it's going to use and the less the battery life will be so it will it will definitely meet a niche and your prediction of the demise of the what you know the traditional note taker uh, I, I think is is probably going to come true with technologies like this 
See, so just be patient, Steve. It'll happen. <laughs> yeah. One day I'll be right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it may be after the asteroid smacks into the Earth. But. <laughs> I, then you can say, I told you so. See, no note-takers. <laughs> As the uh, tsunami washes over me. <laughs> so have you found that as the technology gets better that the the level of instruction in, in terms of, of how to use a lot of these devices for people who aren't familiar with them has gotten a little bit easier? Like are they a little bit more uh, palpable to, to people? Possibly. I think it depends on the technology that you're using. Um, one of the things I really do like very much about Android is that when you turn on TalkBack for the first time, and you've got a new Android device out of the box, you get a really great experience that teaches a new user the gestures right. and how to work with it. And I think that's that's really nice. It's a very user-friendly approach. Apple, not so much. Um, you know, when you run VoiceOver for the first time, you actually get a, a little warning for sighted people now that says, hey, you turn VoiceOver on and this is a screen reader for blind people and it's changed your gestures and it tells you how to turn it off again, but it doesn't actually um, say to a blind person, welcome to VoiceOver and, and here's how you use it, which is interesting because on the Mac it actually does. Right. Um, the Mac has a wonderful VoiceOver tutorial for the first time you start it and um, I think it's extremely well done, so maybe we will see that in the future. So it does... It does vary a bit, um, and I guess that's one of the one of the things that I do as well, and have done in various guises for a long time. Is that um, I guess I've been quite fortunate in that, as well as being able to absorb this knowledge for whatever reason, and and find you know finding technology quite intuitive, uh, I'm able to sort of spit it out the other end uh, in a, in an intuitive way, so that I can try and explain technology to people not just how to use the technology but why you might want to and and the impact that a particular piece of technology could possibly have on your life if you chose to learn it and you know you've written a few books on ios as well are you currently working on a new one yeah we have the series which it's our biggest seller and it's the series is called ios without the i and we started it in 2013 when mosin consulting started with ios 7 without the i and so iOS 11 without the I will be out in September and that will be so what, what we do you know that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of material out there that teaches you how to use the iPhone when you get it and in fact we've done that too um, I produced under contract with a VFO a, a series of audio modules I think it's up to about 12 or 13 hours now that talks you through literally taking your iPhone out of its packaging setting it up for the first time if you have to put a sim card in we teach you how to put the sim card in it's really elementary stuff working all the way through but the um the ios 7 and upwards without the i series is all about people who already have ios and they want a comprehensive resource that says to them you know this is what's new this year in ios and this is how you use it and it's been really really popular i'm grateful for that what other um, what other types of publications do you do? Um, I guess uh, let's see. We've got the the book on Sonos, which is another popular bestseller called Sonosthesia. And um, if I wasn't watching my carbs, I'd have a big scoop of chocolate ice cream when I thought that went up. Um, <laughs> Sonos is uh, all about using the, the Sonos technology. And that's also very popular because, you know, blind people care about their audio generally. Mm -hmm. And um, Sonos is a wonderful ecosystem. And so I describe the Sonos product range um, when you might use a particular Sonos device. And then we go through and talk about how to use Sonos on a range of platforms. Um, we've got a book on Twitter that I'm currently updating with a second edition. We've got uh, Amadeus Pro for the Mac and uh, a general webinar that we did about how to record technology demos effectively. We partner with people now because a lot of people uh, approached us and said, yeah, you guys have got the infrastructure. Um, you've got a great e-commerce platform now that's accessible. Uh, you've got the, the the word out. You know, people know where to go to find you. And can we come on board? So we came up with a structure where we can now work with partner authors who uh, write books, and then we take a small commission for marketing and selling them, and they take the majority. 
uh, for the work that they've done. And so we have a book that was written on that basis that covers working with pages on the Mac, the word processor, another one that reviews Braille displays because they're really expensive devices and it can be hard to get your hands on them. And so uh, one author who's very talented with Braille has written a thing called Braille on Display and we intend to update that annually. It's kind of like an annual buyer's guide nice. to the Braille displays that are on the market at any given time. Uh, we've got a book on Apple TV, and uh, the, we have one for the third generation and one for the fourth. My wife, Bonnie, who's a partner in Mosin Consulting, wrote a very popular title on being job ready when you're a blind person and some techniques about um, hmm. CVs, how to format them appropriately when you're blind and the different types of CV, um, the job interview, a whole bunch of things. When do you disclose? At what point do you disclose that you have a disability? A whole bunch of things like that. So I'm probably leaving some titles out, but there's a, there's a decent selection in the store now. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Awesome. It, it's interesting because you know we we got an email last week and uh, from a from a listener who is blind and and wanted some resources on, um, you know, keyboard shortcuts and and some of the accessibility features in Windows 10, and uh, you know when you look, it's it's surprising how little is actually out there in terms of of resources for structured resources. Yeah. 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 So it's it's fantastic that you guys are working on on all these books because that's something that I feel, anyways, really needs to be uh, to be improved. Yeah, I agree, and and I enjoy writing them. I enjoy trying to explain things in a way that hopefully people can 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 understand. And one of the downsides is that people kind of treat us as if we're tech support for the company that we write about. Right. And sometimes I have to be a little bit gentle or sometimes even a bit firm and say look you know um if you've got if you've got a problem with your iphone i mean you can you can pay us to give you one-on-one -on -one training and we'll gladly do that but we can't provide you with free tech support because apple's got a whole team of people they pay to do that and we got to put food on the table Ooh. somehow mm -hmm. so it, it is a difficult thing because it's my natural disposition to help people but i could sit here answering emails from people all day who expects me or, or asking me to provide them with information for free. So what I try to do is um, sell these books at a reasonable price. So uh, iOS without the eye, those books individually, I think we've been selling them at 19.95, which I think is pretty reasonable given the small size of the market and yeah. how long they take to write. The, the downside of that is um, I, I like doing them and I know they make a difference and we'll keep doing them. But in recent times, as the company has become more well-known, the consultancy work has really started pouring in. And so I have less time right. to write those books. And the, the, the reality is that um, the consultancy work is a better earner. So, you know, we also do web design now because there's an increasing number of people who want somebody who can come in and design a site that looks visually attractive but it's fully accessible. And right. so we work with government entities, we work with individuals, uh, we have a, a graphic designer on our team who does graphics. And we're in a cool position because not only can we design an accessible website and verify that it's accessible, but because of our authoring credentials, we can, if we need to, actually write pretty good content. And so for a blind person, say, starting a small business, we can do the whole package. We can design them a logo, we can put them, uh, get them up and running with an accessible website and we can create kick butt um, content that you know, markets what they're selling in the best possible way right now you also have a podcast uh called the blind side uh yeah. what can you tell us about that what, what do you guys talk about on that anything so the blind side <laughs> is a labor of love on my part and i was probably a bit silly to take it on but the thing is um, this is this is a new version of a show that I started with even before ACB Radio. And in, in early 1999, I started a show called Blindline. And this was streaming on the internet. And there was so much novelty in those days about the internet being able to bring the blind community together. So radio has always brought communities together. And you can talk about what's going on in your local neighborhood in your in your town on the radio but internet radio meant that blind people from all around the world for the first time could get together and hear each other's voices 
talking about the challenges that are unique to our community as a blind community. And so people would call in, you know, even making an international call to a New Zealand number, if that's what it took, because there was such a thirst for this kind of c community spirit. And um, so I did Blindline uh, when I left ACB Radio. That kind of got put on the back burner, obviously. Now, in this podcast era, the blind side does a wide range of issues, but all with some sort of blindness angle. So we do cover politics. We, we cover quite controversial social issues. Probably the most controversial thing we ever did was one on atheism. Um, we've done um, yeah, technology uh, we, we've done health and sort of subject of, of, of healthy eating. We're about to do one on technology to help you uh, keep your um, keep fit. And so it's it's a real. But basically, what we're saying in this podcast is blindness isn't just about technology. It's it, it impacts on everything we do in some way or other. And so we want to canvas the whole range of. Um, factors that that influence that, and so it gives me a pretty wide range to interview a wide range of people and and, and talk about a wide range of topics. Awesome! Did you write down all those ideas, there, Ryan, for future podcasts? Yeah, write that down. <laughs> write that down. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we we do a, a lot of similar things too. We have a lot of different topics, human interest type stories. It's not all an AT bent. Um, mm. So it's really interesting just hearing other people's stories and experiences and, you know, challenges that they've faced, either overcoming obstacles or, you know, getting to where they are now from where they started. So, yeah, having a podcast is is quite unique and, you know, quite interesting for me anyway. Yeah, it's yeah been, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, we when we started out, this podcast was, I mean, originally we were, it was going to be like maybe 20 minutes and it was just going to be talking about product like different at products and that quickly went out the window i mean once we started having people on the show and and telling us their stories and stuff it it, it quickly quickly changed um into i mean it's it's actually pretty rare for us to sit down and talk talk a lot of tech i mean today is we've been we've been pretty we've been, been pretty nerdy yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which which is fun i mean it's, it's been a while since we've had a chance to really dive into a lot of uh, AT related stuff. So, well, and while we have you, Jonathan, I'm totally blind myself, and I have to thank you for actually telling me that my Apple TV fourth generation actually had a descriptive audio section in the Netflix app because I didn't oh. notice that before. I'd never seen that before. I'd always used my computer to go to Netflix and go to the descriptive video section that way. So well, now that I'm glad to there. help. Yeah, and, thank you. you know, we, we've just got another way of watching Netflix, and this has been a really big episode we did on the blind side as we record this um, last week. Yeah, you're going to make because, me jealous. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we just we bought this Android, um, this TV. It's a 40, 49 inch. No, yeah, yep. yeah, 49 inch. That's right. I had this big negotiation session between my <laughs> wife and my children. My children wanted some sort of massive 60 something inch 3D thing. <laughs> and, Bonnie said, no, you can have 40 inches. And I said, how about we compromise at sort of 50? Um, but that, I mean, that runs Netflix and it, it all talks. And um, I've even got eloquence running on it. And wow. um, so, you know, it's, 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 really, it's really exciting. And the other thing that's exciting too is I think voice is probably the next big frontier. Everybody was yeah. wondering, where do we go after touch? And when you look at technologies like the Amazon Echo family and the mm -hmm. Google Home, it looks like at the Worldwide Developers Conference that's coming up at the beginning of June, Apple is going to announce an entrant in that space as well, based Microsoft. on their Beats speaker technology and Siri. Yeah. So this is this is good because just by happenstance, this new focus on voice as the primary input just suits us as blind people down to the ground and i think it's quite exciting yeah and i just saw a tweet this morning from one of the guests or hosts on windows weekly that microsoft is releasing and Harmon carden releasing a cortana standalone speaker unit as well oh well we'll miss out on that because <laughs> after time cortana is not even available in new zealand so really i love what microsoft is doing with all they, they have really you know when you consider how Nobody felt in the blind community at least particularly good 
about Microsoft a few years ago. It was sort yeah. of we, the company that we had to use to to be productive on the job and things like that. But boy, have they really got it in the last couple of years. So Absolutely. hopefully Cortana will come here eventually. Yeah, well, I have an Amazon Echo and a Google Home, and I actually couldn't get either um, because I live in Canada. I actually get, had to get them off eBay. I couldn't get them from the Google Store or from Amazon. Yeah, we're in the same position. So we've got an Echo, and um, it's interesting because my wife is um, a very smart lady, but she's not not a geek like me, and we're sort of like, I guess I, I, I'm too prone to geekify our household. <laughs> so when we when we got the Echo, she was thrilled. And when I see her using the Echo, it makes me realize just what a what a powerful mm-hmm. user interface voice is. Um, yep. But we had to do the same thing. We, there's a, a freight forwarding service that our local postal service actually runs because they could see uh, a business opportunity and they give you a shipping address in the US, another one in the UK, and another one in China. And then you can just go on to Amazon or wherever, give them your appropriate shipping address, the US one, and then our postal service intercepts it and forwards it on for a Amazing. Nice. But like I said, I listen to the Blindside podcast, and I'm really jealous about your new TV and the talking guy. And you know, I've like my only my my TV. The only speaking part of it is the Apple TV. So, you know, I think my next TV will be a Sony Bravia. Mm. Yeah, they've, they've done well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, well, I think I think appliances yeah. are still a tricky point. If you go shopping for say a dishwasher or a washing machine. Uh, or even a fridge to some extent now, you have to be a bit careful as a blind person because these devices are becoming smart but not necessarily accessible at this point. But hopefully with technologies like HomeKit um, and even the Echo, you know, which which is working with a range of home automation solutions, mm-hmm. we will crack that as well. I'm very optimistic, actually. Yeah, and I think, you know, I listened to uh, another podcast called The IoT Podcast, and it sounds like a lot of the issues around a lot of these appliances is security. And they really have to get on board and s- tighten the security that's available on these devices so they don't get hacked. Yeah, there have already been a couple of pretty scary examples of where security isn't sufficient. And I mean, these things are little computers with their own IP address. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, there's got to be some industry-wide um, standard agreed upon that deals with that. Yep. Yeah, I don't want some hacker turning up my heat. <laughs> turning your no, oven on. No, some guy from sitting in Russia. <laughs> some, somebody or or filling, my... filling your bathtubs or something <laughs> and flooding the house. You know? I mean, anything's possible. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's, it brings a whole new that's right. concept to WikiLeaks, doesn't it? That's yeah. right. We used to have people hacking into baby monitors. Now they're hacking into your appliances. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Stop making toast. I'm almost out of bread. Damn it, they thawed my orange juice. <laughs> First world problem. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. right. <laughs> uh, where can people find Mosin Consulting uh, on, the, on the internet? Where, if they're interested in, in some of the books, or where can they find the podcast? The key place is mosen.org, that's M-O-S-E-N.org, and you'll find a link to the Blindside podcast, to our store, and also to Mushroom FM, which is the internet radio station that we run. So there's a lot there. You know, we didn't even touch on that either. Yeah, I've just started in the last two weeks listening to Mushroom FM, so through my Amazon Oh, great. Yeah. How are you liking it? It's a lot of fun. Uh, Excellent. Jonathan, anything else that we didn't touch on that you want to plug or talk about? No, I really appreciate the questions and the chance to chat and do a bit of reminiscing. The more I do these things, the the older I realize I'm getting. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun to appreciate how far we've come. And I sort of figure, man, you know, if we've done this in the last 35 years. You just wonder what we'll be dealing with in the next 35. So I hope to be around to see it. Well, you know, hopefully it doesn't sound like the, the self-driving cars, I think, are going to be the real next big leap forward. And I'm pretty excited about that. You know, we did a a show on Mushroom FM. Um, Bonnie and I do a live call-in talk show called A Cover at the Mosins, and we cover blindness-related topics every week. And one of the topics that we covered a few weeks ago was, would you be first in line to get a self-driving car? And it really interested me how many blind people said, I'm really scared of these self-driving cars. I don't think I would be comfortable being in a car that drives itself 
over which I have no control. But I'll tell you what, I'll be there in a heartbeat. I want to I want to be the first person in New Zealand to own a self-driving car. Yeah, my only concern is the other drivers. I have total faith in computational abilities that can react faster than anything else on the road. But it's the other drivers who, you know, forget the rules of the road that I'm concerned about. Yeah, maybe we should just switch over to self-driving cars all at once. Yeah, but, exactly. But it does, there are some really interesting ethical questions, though, like a, a self-driving car will have to make a very rational, as you say, computational decision. If you're driving along and the, the self-driving car knows that it's coming up to an incident where if it allows itself to swerve and go over a bank it kills you <laughs> but if it continues along it kills say a um car load that includes say three children right what does it do it kills now, I mean, the car load it, of the three children because be because ryan owns the car <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's not working but, but for those it's three kids really interesting ethical dilemmas about the, the yeah, yeah that actually that that's is true. interesting huh well let's work on the flying cars then We've got, yeah, right. We've yeah. got the so flying car. Well, we've got the Uber Lyft in Vegas, you know, picking you up and dropping you off. Yeah, I'm in. Yep. I can do that. Although we don't even have Uber here yet, so. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Vancouver is just got their head up their arse. <laughs> Yeah, we, we love Uber. Um, you know, I know they get a bit of bad press about different things, but um, we've had Overall, we've had really good experiences with Uber, and um, I managed to crack our Amazon Echo to make it realize we're in New Zealand, and so now we can just say to it, "Call me an Uber," and it says, oh, "Okay, really? you're an Uber." No, no, it actually it actually does call. Nice. It does call the Uber, and um, you can do it with Siri. You get information. Uh, I have an Uber account for our family, so whenever one of my kids is in a spot, they know that they can get an Uber to get them out of that spot, and I get a notification that they're in one and how much it's cost and stuff, so I'm I'm a big fan. Yeah, awesome. I can't wait for it to get here. Yeah. Yes, indeed. All right, Jonathan, well, thank you so much again for joining us, uh, especially so early. It's a pleasure. Glad yeah, to do it. Really appreciate it. And we'll definitely be tuning into the podcast for sure. And I got to check out Mushroom FM. And we'll link to everything in the show notes. We will. Do check it out if you like 50s through the 80s music. So nothing nothing terribly new and modern. But um, what we do, I think we do, we're do. we doing pretty well. It's okay. We're all old guys here. That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Perfect, Jonathan. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you again. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank okay. you. Take, take care. care. See you. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow. That's a busy guy. A guy that has been around the block and then some. He goes way back. He does. He's almost, it, yeah. I saw Steve's eyes glaze over it with nostalgia at all that, all that geekery. Talk. Are you kidding? That's, that's, that's my stuff back then. That's right. Uh, that's, when, that's when the world made sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> Fixing opticons and right. replacing cables and batteries. And, yeah, not all the, not all this newfangled business stuff That's and right. accounting. Cheers was on <laughs> TV. Weird. Yeah. Recording on computers. So crazy talk. Yeah, yeah. Star Trek: The Next Generation was in, in its first run. Yep. The good old days. All right, the Amazon Alexa joke of the week. Okay. What do you call a short fortune teller? hiding from the police small medium at large that's it ding, oh, ding, 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 ding. nice <laughs> nice you know if you're going to do an alexa joke the week you should probably bring your alexa down here for alexa to actually do it oh, yeah? instead of you yeah well yeah so next week bring alexa down bring her down all right hey ryan hey rob where the heck can people find us? They can find us at www.atbanter.com. They certainly can for all our episodes, past and present. Uh, they can also follow us on Facebook uh, if they search just AT Banter, all one word, and Twitter uh, at AT underscore Banter. Uh, where, where the hell else can people find us, Steve? Well, they can email us. We've oh. got an email address. Yes, they can. We do. atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. Fire us an email. Tell us how we're doing. Yeah, come on, guys. What's with the uh, lack of email? We're getting no email. No email love. We need some love. We got one email last week. We did. Yeah. 
that Thanks, was Bev, for doing and that, that was exciting. That was a high point of our day. So come on, it really come was. On. You really you make a bunch of old guys very happy. At banter podcast at gmail Just say hi. Just say hey. Tell us what your favorite <laughs> retro piece of uh, at tech is, and Steve will get all glazy eyed, nostalgic again. Uh, all right, let's get out of here, boys. All right, places um, to go, people to see. Pitter patter. Right. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. And uh, what do we got next week going on, Ryan? All right. Next week, we have a guest from Google Accessibility joining us to talk about Android and Google Accessibility. Woohoo. All right. Should be a good show, too. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening in, and we will see you next week. I've been Rob Minow. And I've been Steve Barkley. And I'm still Ryan Fleury. (laughs) We'll see you next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com.